Radio. Today is Larry J. Daniel. When we return, it'll be his turn to try the Civil War time machine. Have you let your website go stale? Wish you didn't have to wait for your web developer to return your call when you want to update content? You don't have to. Now you can easily and instantly manage your own website content using affordable Avalar technology. Avalar is a website development and hosting company that provides turnkey internet solutions for companies like yours that need to stay focused on core business. Avalar gives you the power to control your website and make updates and additions in real time without having to learn HTML or other complicated programming tools. Websites powered by Avalar feature capabilities that attract more customers and enhance relationships with existing customers. Avalar offers a multitude of leading-edge solutions, including lead generation and referral tracking, shopping carts and payment processing, membership management, and search engine optimization, to name a few. Take advantage of the full power of the Internet using Avalar technology at www.avalar.com. That's A-V-A-L-A-R. Vitality is a natural expression of health, success, and fulfillment. And yet it's rare to meet people bubbling with vitality. That's because most of us push ourselves too hard. And when we trigger the internal alarms that tell us to change our diets, attitudes, or activities, we ignore them. Allowing outside pressures to override our internal alarms undermines our health, sabotages our success, and limits our potential. If you're ready to reclaim your natural vitality, to begin living a life you love, visit thevitalyou.com. You're listening to World Talk Radio, where the world comes to talk. To speak with our show hosts or guests during the live show, call us toll-free in North America, 888-514-2100. Everywhere else, call 001-858-268-3068. Welcome back to Civil War Talk Radio. I'm Jerry Prokopovich, talking today with Larry J. Daniel about the Army of the Cumberland and other subjects. Larry, let me ask you a question different from what we've been talking about. Uh, Do you ever go to Civil War reenactments? And if so, what do you think of them? (laughs) Uh, Gosh, the last one I went to was many, many years ago. There was a reenactment of Shiloh. Um, You know, I think that there are mildly interesting. I, I think it is as close to the actual thing as we will ever be able to see, and I think that it had to have looked something like that. I mean, I think that the reenactors get a, a bad hit on this thing, which I hear repeated over and over. Oh, they're all 50 pounds overweight. And, <laughs> uh, and uh, you know, I do think that uh, that's a bad hit on them. Uh, I, I do think that some of them have been in it for so many years now that we're going to have to start putting some of these guys in the militia. They, they can't be regulars anymore. Uh, we had to put them in the Georgia militia. Maybe that's a good place. That's but right. I think they ought to start recruiting new guys again. But, you know, I think it's I, – I see it as a hobby. I think they have a lot of fun with it. I think that there is some some value to it. I'm, I'm not the kind of purist. I mean, if you know, I wouldn't be spending the night in the rain in a tent. I mean, I'd be at the closest hotel and I'd just show up for the battle the next day. That would be me. But I'm not into that personally. But I think they do it. I think that they do a good job. Well, I think they let it take, get a lot of unnecessary hits, and I, I think that's unfortunate. 
Well, it, I, I would agree with that. I think there's there's good. Uh, there is criticism of sometimes of those. Oh yeah, they, they one think can go too far. Hits, yeah. But it's a, it's an interesting uh, hobby, and it's a way of exploring history that right. uh, gets us close. I, I it's on my mind uh, while teaching a class recently. I had a student who was a reenactor who uh, reenacts more recent history, Second World War history, right. and that brought up all kinds of fairly contentious discussion about really? reenacting uh, uh, causes like that of, of Germany's in, in the Second World War. And uh, certainly some of those issues come up in Civil War reenacting. Uh, and it's just a reminder that the Civil War is not that far from us, that the, the issues that underlie the war still... Uh, oh, in, in one, five, ten, a hundred different ways, I think we're still touched by it. It was a national trauma. Uh, we still feel it in so many ways. I, there's no way you 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 can't understand your own personality until you see it through the prism of the traumas that you have gone. I think it's the same way with our national history, our national personality. You have to see it through this prism of this war. I, I think that's absolutely the case. You mentioned Stephen Woodworth is working on a book on the Army right. of the Tennessee, and uh, he was a guest on our show not too long ago. We had a very interesting talk on his work on the religion of Civil War soldiers. Yes. Now, you mentioned you don't write on religion because right. that's your day job, and it right. <laughs> ceases to be a hobby then, and, and uh, I can certainly understand that. But I wonder if you have any thoughts about why historians uh, seem to write so little about the, the spiritual lives of Civil War soldiers, not from a, a, a polemical view, not to argue that this side or that side was more godly, but rather as part of their worldview, if we're going to understand them, we ought to know what they were thinking. And well, first, like first, first of all, let me say that uh, Stephen, I, I know Stephen personally, and he's yeah. a very religious person. Uh, yeah. He's... Uh, uh, he and I bat this thing around a lot. He's more conservative uh, in his theology than I am, but he's a very, very committed uh, Christian, and I think just as a personal issue, he he was drawn to that. Stephen has often said if he was on a deserted island, uh, he would only want uh, two things, the Bible and the official records of the Civil War, and he would be happy. <laughs> so I think just as a personal issue, he was drawn to that. Uh, as to the larger question, I think that uh, it's not only just the issue of religion, it's the whole issue of why don't we have more on what started the war, what is this all about, because we're too busy getting down to what happened in the war. And sometimes that's actually the secondary issue. It's It's the... Uh, the how instead of the why, and I think that that uh, uh, sells more books, and I think that is what uh, so often uh, you know m motivates the whole thing. It's the guns and trumpets uh, aspect of it. Absolutely. And so, I mean, I you know I think we're all guilty of that. Albert Castell, in an excellent survey, has raised uh, some of these very issues about what motivates those of us who write. I mean, why are we? Why are we writing on these things? And I mean, I'm, I'm guilty of some of these things myself. I mean, you, um, you, you're just drawn to sometimes things that are just they sell, and I. So it's. I, I, well, I, I, you're absolutely right there, and this is certainly an issue uh, that, that separates uh, also historians who do this as uh, as an activity, uh, as a vocation. 
rather, as opposed to those who, who are professional university historians who tend to focus on uh, perhaps more the whys of. of well, I, now that I, I think we got our first debate going on. Okay. Because <laughs> I think that the, I think that academia is just as guilty of this, and uh, you know I think that they too are pulled into this, and much good work has been written by people I'm, I'm called independent scholar and um you know i think that um uh, i think we've all been pulled into it uh, well, I, 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 i'm going to disappoint you and not debate you on that because i actually okay. I, I, I okay. think, <laughs> we're still on the same page here how do how could we get off it i think the academic historians tend to focus uh, tend not to write about the the things the public wants to read about which is the the armies which is the the how it happened yeah and we and do I, have a responsibility to write both how and why, but there's a sort of disconnect. If if professional historians were writing what the public wanted to read, there'd be less opening for independent scholars to fill. But well, I not. think you're right, and I, you know, it's interesting that uh, John Hubble, who is at Kent State, uh, yeah. you know, John and uh, Kent State University Press in Kent, Ohio, and uh, someone once said to him. Well, John, university presses are not supposed to make money, and his answer was yes, but you don't have to be a fanatic about it. <laughs> even, even university presses have to have to make pay bills. I, That's right. I know that a typical university book, so I've been told, university press book sells a thousand copies, mm-hmm. and uh, many times they will sell. I've heard many people say that they know for a fact that many of them sell two and three hundred copies for uh, this book that I've recently published, Days of Glory, in the first year, the book has already sold 5,000 copies. That's so excellent. for a university press, I mean, that's the gold mine. It know? is. It is. They would uh, so, love I mean, to that, have more that shows you the kind of, I mean, so we're all under this kind of pressure, you know? It, it's true. And and uh, I, it, it can work to the benefit when you have people writing, uh, when you have independent scholars addressing these issues and, and perhaps making it more respectful for the university presses to... Uh, right. You know, I try to go both ways with it. I, now, in Days of Glory, this is an academic book that deals with, I think, legitimate issues of politics, of race, of relationships between. So I think it's a scholarly... Now, the book I'm working on now, it's it's on the Battle of Chickamauga. It's more of a fun book. I mean, it's more of a guns and trumpets. So, I mean, I, I try to kind of go back and forth with this. I, mm-hmm. I straddle the line with it a little bit. Not not a bad way to approach yeah. it. Let me ask you a, a different question. One I, I like to ask people, if you could magically transport yourself back to the Civil War era for just an hour, mm-hmm. who would you want to meet and talk to and why? Mm, boy. Uh, well, gosh, there, there are several of them. I, I once told Richard McMurray that I would love to s- sit down in heaven with some of these generals and discuss why they decided what they did. And McMurray said that assumes that they will be in heaven. <laughs> but, uh, you know, I, I, of course, I'm fag. My, my first love is the Army of Tennessee, the Confederate Army of Tennessee. And I'm, I'm obviously I'm drawn to the, to the person of Braxton Bragg, not a likable person. Uh, but, um, I, you know, I would be fascinated to sit down and talk with him. Uh, the the general that I love to hate, General Albert Sidney Johnston. Um, I would love to sit down and ask with him, why did you make this decision? Why did you do this? What prompted this? 
So, you know, there, there are a couple of characters, I think. Um, Army of the Cumberland. Um, oh, gosh, he's so colorful. I guess I would, have to, I would want to sit down with Rosecrans, certainly, because he's just such a flamboyant and, and uh, colorful. And he would talk your head off. I mean, yeah, he, yes, I mean, you he wouldn't would, get a word. There would be no lack of words. He was like <laughs> Sherman. Sherman wouldn't shut up. And I mean, That's it's right. the same. Uh, that, that was Rosecrans for you. I mean, you wouldn't get much out of Grant. I mean, he wouldn't be a good interview. So. No, no. It's, uh, since I'm on the the questioning end, no one has asked me who I'd like to go back to. But if I had to go visit someone in the Army of the Cumberland, hearing you make those suggestions, what about Ambrose Bierce? Lieutenant in the Ninth Indiana. Yeah, yeah, a writer. writer Gosh, I've never thought about that. And, you know, if you're going to get it, uh, the view from the opposite, uh, you know, kind of from the bottom up. Right. I think certainly uh, that that would be. uh, I've never really thought of that. It's interesting, yeah. He's, uh, you know, one of the first ironic voices in uh, American literature and uh, certainly an interesting, interesting guy Mm. to, uh, uh, to hear about, I suppose. Who. When you're not writing, when you're reading other people's books, who do you like to read? Well, I, I think that uh, I've got a couple of authors who who I think are just such excellent. I mean, I, I read them sometimes just, just to learn from their writing style, quite frankly. I, I think Albert Castell uh, has to remain one of the great authors of the Civil War in America. Uh, I love his writing style. I I know Albert, and uh, I think his book on the Atlanta campaign remains the quintessential campaign study. I think it it will become the model study. Now, I don't agree with his thesis uh, on the Atlanta campaign, how it all could have been pulled out for the South and affected the Northern election. I I don't go into all that, but but the book itself, I just is the quintessential campaign study, and I've always been a f- fan, and I'm a personal friend of Richard McMurray's, and I, uh, I've always been a fan of Richard's uh, writing. I think he's probably the most creative uh, writer that we have right now, and uh, Stephen Woodworth. I think I'm, I'm the most envious of his writing style. <laughs> oh, can that guy write? He yeah. just just uh, has this beautiful, and Wiley Sword as well. Just has such a beautiful writing style. That I'm envious of both of them. So, uh, you know, I don't deal with those little minor skirmishes over in the Eastern Theater, those little <laughs> little things over there. I don't get into those, you know, with about Bobby Lee and all of that. So, yeah, I, I, I study the you. real war, the Western Theater. So, that's right. Well, Decision in the West, uh, the book you're referring to by by Albert Castell, yes. the great uh, Atlanta book, is, oh, is really oh. a marvelous book. It really he, is. He feels uh, his view of Sherman is, is certainly as negative as yours of Thomas. Yours is right. solely negative. I don't mean to say, but well, his view Thomas. of Sherman would be as negative as my view of Albert Sidney Johnston. Yes, that would be true. Well, what about Johnston? I mean, he didn't live long enough to do that much. No, uh, only commanded for 22 weeks, uh, but long enough to do a whole lot of damage and lose a couple of states for the Confederacy. Uh, you know, he, um, uh, I think clearly he was, uh, beyond his level. Uh, I get in trouble on this one too because he's, especially in Kentucky where I used to live, he's just an icon up there and still walks on water. I mean, he's got a career based upon might have been. Uh, oh, if he had only lived, he would have done this. Well, you know, you, 
look, I don't argue the fact if the bullet that it was fired had missed Albert Sidney Johnston and traveled all the way across the Confederacy and struck uh, Robert E. Lee in the leg, say, at uh, the battle of uh, during the Peninsula Campaign. And Robert E. Lee had bled to death there in the spring of 1862. Would Robert E. Lee's face today be on uh, the side of Stone Mountain, Georgia? Probably not, because Lee evolved as the war. And it is certainly possible that uh, Albert Sidney Johnston would have evolved. But if you gauge his career upon decisions made, I think certainly he made a lot of uh, catastrophic decisions. Well, that and, uh, on that note, uh, leaving Albert Sidney Johnston to to his fate, uh, <laughs> we have unfortunately run out of time once again on Civil War Talk Radio. But our guest today has been Larry J. Daniel. Uh, I urge everyone to take a look at Days of Glory, the Army of the Cumberland, uh, a long overdue study of that uh, neglected Union Army, uh, with some very interesting uh, views on General Thomas and others in it. Uh, highly recommended work. Larry, thanks for being with us today. You have enjoyed it. This is Jerry Prokopovich at Civil War Talk Radio.